Good evening. I'm Marcus Leader, and I would like to invite you on a journey of discovery as I pull back the veil and give you a glimpse of the multiverse through the eyes of a Toltec shaman. So sit back, relax, turn up the volume, and turn down the lights. You're now listening to The Shaman's Brew. Before we get started with part two of our roundtable discussion with Zahira, Debbie Edwards, Peruvian shaman James Riverstone, and myself about the coming Earth Changes and 2012 Prophecies, I would like to give all my listeners who are vampire fans a heads up about a new body of knowledge that I have come across in the form of an online daily journal of a vampire named Satine. The thing to pay close attention to is the information she is revealing seems to be the real deal, and some of it has never been released in print anywhere. I know this because some of the information parallels the yet unreleased core knowledge of my Toltec shamanic lineage. Satine was born in the late 15th century on October 10, 1481, in London, England. She was one of the few that were fortunate enough to have been born into a very wealthy family, making life easier than most others around her, or so it seemed to the outside world. As she grew up, she began to realize that she was much different from most everyone around her. Sometimes, being a vampire is not a choice you have, but instead a life you were already destined to follow. The Vampire's Journal is a daily journal of Satine's life, how she became the way she is, the emotions and thoughts of an eternal being, the bloodlust of centuries past, her walk-in experiences, and the etheric manifestations of shape-shifting. In her own words, I quote her greeting, you. Welcome to the Vampire's Journal. I am Satin. I have created this site to provide you with a rare yet real insight into the life and existence of vampires. Take heed and pay close attention to what you find here, for I am disclosing real knowledge that has never been published anywhere in the world. The information and techniques that you are about to discover in these pages at the Vampire's Journal are the secrets that have existed since the beginning of time. The secrets of immortality and unimaginable power. To all who possess an unquenchable thirst for knowledge and power, and to all who want to live forever, I bid you welcome as I pull back the veil and allow entry into my world the world of real vampires. Now, um, is Satine a fictional character? Are the secrets she is sharing in her daily journal entries a stuff of fiction? Or is this one of those very rare glimpses of an ancient body of knowledge known only to a select few? Go to the Vampire's Journal and decide for yourself. 
You can visit The Vampire's Journal by going to thevampiresjournal.com and see for yourself what is creating such a stir in both the world of the living as well as the world of the undead. You can also find a link on my page, www.theshamansbrew.com. I will be doing a series in the near future concerning vampires, and perhaps I can even get Satine to come on the show as a guest, so be sure to stay tuned for that. And now I present part two of our roundtable discussion on Earth Changes in 2012. If you missed part one, please go to the Jackalope Radio archives at www.jackaloperadio.com where you can listen to all my past shows. And I want to ask both of you this question, too, as I hear you as well. When we're looking at, um, you know, the whole Mayan calendar, the technology to begin with that they were able to interpret and understand, uh, you know, different types of uh, astronomical uh, calculations, uh, astrology, and so on, when we're looking at their calendar system, and of course we're looking at the technology that they had at that time, uh, my question, I guess, to you is this, both of you, uh, where is that really rooted? You know, where do we really see that jump in their own evolution? Because when we look at the Mayans, even back then, of course, it's a tribal society, and I can imagine there's different types of uh, things that they were doing that was very primitive when it came to even barbaric, uh, you know, forms of um, punishment, uh, you know, et cetera. Where do the two of you stand on that? So here, I guess I'll ask you first. Well, I've read some information that states that it goes back before the Mayan. Even the Olmecs started learning about astronomy and that that carried over through the Mayans. And although we do know they had some interesting rituals and we know that they made certain sacrifices, uh, beyond that, they were astute, brilliant astrologers and astronomers. And where that started and how, I, I'm not sure that anyone knows. Uh, we do know that the Toltec, when the Toltec people moved to Chichen Itza, they merged their own kind of zenith cosmology with the Mayan system. And that resulted in the Chichen Itza and the Pyramid of Kukulkan. And Kukulkan and that whole area of Chichen Itza is uh, interesting. And in fact, that relates to the 2012 theories and the end of the calendar as well. Um, Unfortunately, <laughs> that city and the Mayan culture is, and their astrology and astronomy is so um, brilliant in so many ways. It would take hours to get into all the details. Uh, you can actually get online and look up Chichen Itza, and there's some uh, really good information online. But um, the biggest, uh, for the Pyramid of Kukulkan, and that's the one that we see a lot, there at Chichen Itza, and it's in the center, also known as El Castillo. Um, it, Kukulkan is the Mayan name for the serpent god Quetzalcoatl. And the pyramid, it's, it's magnificent, it's magnificent, pardon me, and significant for many reasons. And it's said to, to be the embodiment of their calendar. Uh, some experts believe that the pyramid is actually a processional clock and that its alarm is set for 2012. And the reason for that is, is the way the Sun, Zenith, and Pallades conjunction uh, converges over the top of the pyramid. And at the time that it does, 
will be uh, on 2012. But there's various shadows throughout the year. You know, they use that pyramid supposedly as a calendar. They used it uh, also for agricultural purposes. It, it casts certain shadows and reflections during the year at the times of the equinoxes and the solstices. Uh, one of them is, is uh, at a particular time. Uh, it's on the spring equinox, I believe. Uh, the afternoon sun will cast a shadow that comes down the steps of the pyramid that looks like this huge serpent descending down from the sky down to the pyramid. And at the base of the pyramid is actually a stone serpent head that sits at the base, and the shadow connects perfectly at, at certain times. Um, in, what's interesting about 2012 and how it relates to the Mayans and, and Kukulkan and this pyramid, if, you, if you'd like me to, to mention that, I certainly will. I'm not sure if I answered your question. Yeah, I don't know absolutely. if there's an answer well, from when think, it started. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people really are, are ta- trying to take a look at the origin of, of where, you know, all this information really started to surface and why. Uh, why suddenly was that something that seemed to be a jump in understanding uh, to be able to, you know, see where all this information is coming from because when we look at how people are trying to relate to the the information provided from a long time ago and we're applying it now to the way things are happening, of course, because we're on that timeline, um, I think the origin, you know, is something that's, that's important to take a look at. I would love some some examples, yeah, and, and a little bit of the origin of 20, 2012 and, and why or the yeah. origin of why we're interested in the Mayans at this point? Kind of both, because I want to take a look at the origin of, of really where the calendar system began uh, with the Mayans. And, of course, you know, when we're taking a look at uh, um, what's taking place now, and, of course, I guess my question is this, and I'm just curious, how were they able to discern the, uh, the year, the, the cyclical year, you know, the 26,000 years uh, and so on, of how we're able to interpret um, things, of course, you know, through history when we're taking a look at uh, the cycle that has brought us to this time of 2012. Perhaps both of you could uh, expand on that. I'm just curious of how they were able to discern this timetable with the knowledge and information they had at that time. Well, they have various calendars. I think what what kind of threw the Mayans and the calendar and their great astrological and astronomical um, capabilities into the spotlight, of course, was the end of their calendar. It's supposed to end in December 21st, 2012. Mm And that all of a sudden, well, the calendar's ending, what does that mean? Now everybody's kind of racing to see what that means. They had very specific calendar systems. They had both a long calendar and a short calendar, and they were uh, very detailed to the day, to the year. Um, The long calendar was a cycle calendar, a cycle of life and 2012 ends at the fifth cycle. And they're saying that because it ends, that means, you know, it ends in conjunction with this 26,000-year astronomical event, which is where uh, what uh, Marcus was saying earlier, the sun will rise, and it'll appear to us on Earth as if the sun is aligning up perfectly within the center of the Milky Way, which is the center of our galaxy, otherwise known as, as the Dark Rift. And it's interesting that they you know, got this on the the exact date uh, of this event occurring. And I don't know, we know how they started it and how they knew, because, of course, if you go back to the first 26,000-year cycle and where it began, 
they weren't around at that time. And, that, and this is one of the interesting theories as to how these ancient cultures knew with such precision these astronomical and uh, events. Mm-hmm. And that, that has always amazed me, is because they're they're not just close. I mean, they're dead on. Right. And they're they, dead they on. They had their eyes. I mean, that's all they had uh, to go by. Uh, they just watched. But how did they? How did they know what's going to happen in the future? That's that's the thing that you know I always wondered. Um, and and that's where you got to start to wonder. You know, was some of this information given to them? Were they taught? by another culture, either from Earth or not. Um, now, I know... Well, some of them say the Toltecs moved and, and kind of merged their yeah. astronomy, and you might know that better than I do with the yeah, Mayans. And, and I was, um, yeah, I was just going to actually bring that up, that at least in my lineage, you know, the, a lot of people that know me know that, you know, I, I was trained in a, a lineage of uh, Toltec shamanism, and much of the information that uh, was taught has never been released to the public. And um, some of that information is, you know, there's bits and pieces archaeologists have discovered, but all of it they haven't discovered yet. And this knowledge has been preserved for the last uh, 500 years uh, just by word of mouth. And it's, it's to the point now where a lot of it needs to come out. But the uh, the stores and and the fact that you can't verify this, you know, means you pretty much just have to take it as a possibility. Don't take what I say as fact because these are stories told to me. It's it's more like mythology. Um, you know, they're handed down by word of mouth, and that can get changed too. You know how that works. But um, the the knowledge that the shamans have of the universe. Uh, the way things work, and, and they're pretty detailed in their, their knowledge, uh, their, a lot of their knowledge of astronomy. Uh, they did develop some of it themselves, but according to the le- legends, at least in my lineage, um, the, the Olmecs were the, the ones that really you know, preceded the, the Toltecs, and those, you know, and, and the best that I've been able to understand this is that it was given to the Olmecs. Uh, there was a great body of knowledge that was given from some teacher. Now, they, they referred to it as the star people. But that's, you know, I, I don't want to jump to conclusions and say that's aliens. They, they, could have, they could have got this information um, through what's known as mass uh, consciousness. You know, or, or collective consciousness, not mass consciousness. Uh, they could have found ways to tune in uh, to other levels of consciousness and actually got this information. So it's it's hard to say where it came from, but there was a great amount of both magical knowledge, uh, knowledge of energies, the universe, and uh, astronomy and mathematics. There was a lot of things that that was given to them, and not all at once. This was over a period of time, but. Um, you know what happened after that? I don't know. I don't know if they they passed it on to the Mayans or if it was you know given to them as well. It's there, there's no evidence. That's just uh, I guess a mythos that uh, you know has been handed down. It's it's a story. And well, there's also a story about the Mayans where someone appeared by boat and they describe him as having blue eyes and 
white hair and fair skin. And I can't remember the name of, uh, some argue that it's a god, others argue, no, this was a great king that showed up and taught them how to look at the stars, taught them astronomy. And from there, they built upon that knowledge and that he also left by boat. And that's one of the other reasons why when eventually, you know, we have uh, the Spanish appearing by boat with the Aztecs, they welcome back these men thinking they too were great men who were there to help. Mm -hmm. And that's one of their stories. And and, and I don't, you know, I don't know whether that's a true legend. That's the thing. You have to to consider it as a possibility, but... uh, you know, we can't say it's it's fact. And you know, when no. you say boat, you got to remember these primitive cultures. Uh, they they knew about boats, but that's you know, it's transportation. They didn't know about aircraft or things. So any vehicle that someone would come arriving in, whether it was from the sky or from the water, they might call a boat. True. Yeah. But I do remember them saying that they the action of the Mayans apparently did build boats. I mean, we have ancient boats going back to the Egyptians. There were boats, uh, Sumerians referenced boats. So we do know that there is a possibility that boats could be very real. But you're right. I mean, you know, who knows? Well, let me ask the two of you this, because this is a question posed in the chat room, and I do want to thank everybody for participating in the chat. We're actually quite busy in there. Um, we, we have an interest in talking about ley lines and this kind of ties into when we're looking at different intelligences and we're looking at the way information has uh, has surfaced about how everything is gridded. I'm curious of where the two of you stand on that and how it really plays a role uh, when we're talking about earth changes and a lot of uh, uh, things coming to a convergence in 2012. Well, the, uh, the ley lines are similar to uh, meridians on the human body. There are flows of energy through the planet. The, the planet Earth is a living entity. Uh, it's not, you know, biological based like, like we are, but it still is a living entity. And uh, some say it has consciousness, and it's, it's actually far superior to ours if it does. But these ley lines are energies that flow through the planet, and sometimes they're uh, they're the result of uh, geologic substrata that could be uh, volcanic or magma activity underneath that's mm-hmm. causing the, these energies. You got to understand these are not necessarily gravitational or magnetic either one. Um, these are more of the primal stuff, the stuff that. Uh, life is made of, the stuff that magic is made of. It's, it's the same energies. Uh, in, in my Toltec shamanic lineage, there is also, beyond the ley lines, there is something called, the, uh, it's simply referred to, you know, they weren't highly technical when they named things, it's called the lines of the world. And the lines of the world are forces that, that extend out, and they're not, again, they're not magnetic, and I don't believe they're gravitational, but they, they could be related to that. These are lines that make a grid work around the planet, and they extend out beyond the surface and you know, into space. I don't know how far. Uh, I have caught a glimpse of them under certain circumstances. But the, uh, the grid lines, um, they're actual grids. They form you know, squares but they're uh, placed about 10 feet apart all over the planet. So if you walk across the room, you walk through some of them. And 
because they were made of an energy that we're not sensitive to, uh, we don't know we're walking through them. They're, you know, they're intense amounts of energy, but our electronic equipment can't necessarily pick them up because our equipment is designed to pick up physical world energies, not energies you know, of a more primal nature. You know, like mm-hmm. like what you're talking about, like what ley lines are, or, or in this case, it's you know the lines of the world. Shamans um, learn to use those lines of the world because there there is a lot of energy flowing through them, and they use they learn to use them for different reasons. Uh, you know, including levitation, which you know is I've witnessed that. I've never done it, of course. I'm not that advanced, but I, I have witnessed levitation. And it's been witnessed through all you know, different cultures around the world. And I suspect that, uh, like a lot of the, um, the uh, what's the word I'm thinking of, uh, the Hindus, the, the yogis, that's what I'm thinking of, uh, a lot of them that are not you know, diluting you or using illusion, you know, that's, that's been used too. But the ones that really can levitate uh, are using these forces, these lines of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know it, it's not indigenous just to my you know my lineage it's i think uh, a lot of cultures are familiar with this it's just they don't always speak of it i there hasn't been very many places i've ever seen reference to it but, yeah um, well i'm i'm really curious too is because when when uh, we take a look at that where where in our evolutionary process did we really start to become aware of the ley lines, and I don't know which one of you could answer this question. I'm just I'm curious of our awareness, and you know, now that we are aware, uh, how do we really apply that to you know taking a look at all of the different mysteries that are contributing to you know really reaching this time of understanding and of course this time of change. I'm familiar you. with ley lines. Oh, sorry, Marcus, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you if you if you were familiar when you know how far back this goes. You know, in, in ancient culture, you know, the mentioning of ley lines or forces like these. No, I, I don't know that. I don't know that question. But some argue that we are, you know, starting to enter into the age of Aquarius, and that may be going back to one of your earlier questions. Why all of a sudden this thirst for knowledge? Um, we see all these people wanting to learn and 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 really dive in, delve into things that before might be off limits. We see, this kind of goes back to apocalypse, you know, is the Greek word basically meaning to reveal. And some believe that 2012 is really just in this age that we're in. It will be a time when things will be revealed and that we will view the world in a completely different way. And we're starting to see this, and again, I'm not familiar with ley lines, but we're starting to see this in many ways just through science. I mean, look at what scientists are theorizing today quantum theory is is astounding and they're making some some huge leaps and and they're going out on a limb where before they probably never dared even say that we can teleport to the sphinx at lunch um you know we have neuroplasticity which we briefly all talked about one time we have all these wonderful new scientific and medical uh, things happening in the world that really truly will change the way we think and the way we see things so that might be another theory for behind, you know, 2012 and, and 
we know 12 is, is uh, in astrological terms, we know 12 is the number of completeness. And if we go to the end of the Egyptian calendar and the Mayan calendar, and we see all of these, this new time complete, and we start this new age, you know, maybe that's what this all means. We're just ushering in a new great age of time that we are going to view things completely different. Maybe we're going to be able to learn how to levitate. You know, maybe those magnetic fields will hit that gland and I can be invisible. <laughs> Who knows? I can only hope. You wish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I wish, exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. So as far as the ley lines, I'm sorry, that's just not, I'm not familiar with that. I don't know what it is. Okay. Well, it's just an interesting thing, really, to be able to talk about that, too, and how all of these uh, different points of reference really contribute to a lot of the changes that, that we're experiencing now in, you know, in this time and era. So much attention is being put towards this, you know, so to be able to kind of look at everything in combination, uh, you know, and how it affects us in today, you know, is, is really an interesting thing. There are some real scares, though, and there are some real, uh, you know, problems that we need to face. We we can't deny and ignore the environmental problems and changes that are happening. And and if, in fact, you know, we come upon a, another time where our, where our race may come close to extinction, you know, we we do need to start becoming more aware and, and much kinder to Mother Earth and, and making some great changes and maybe even some preparations, which is something we had mentioned we might talk about. You know, we know that Yellowstone's subterranean volcano is, is gone red. And mm-hmm. uh, we have, you know, the magnetic fields that you were talking about earlier. You know, our magnetic field uh, is, is very important. It w- it's what helps deflect these solar flares and problems from the universe. And it's a fact that some of the magnetic field is weakening in certain spots. It's opening up these, these solar flares uh, to yeah, get in. Scary. Yeah, and, well, yeah, interesting. Scary. Yeah, it, it, I want to ask, now that you brought that up, Zahira, because, you know, we have actually about a half, I believe a half hour remaining in our broadcast. Yeah, about 35 minutes. And I want to ask, actually, um, you know, to to go into that direction. But I want to bring somebody into the discussion with us, actually. Um, James, do we have you with us? <laughs> yes, I'm here. Hello. I knew it was you. No, I oh, wow. calling in. Uh, uh, Marcus, of course, James Riverstone is with us. Uh, oh, James, so. it's you. Hey, hey, Marcus, my friend. Hey, bro, how you doing? I'm really surprised that it was answered. I thought, well, I'll just get online and I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> I now I don't know what to say. I have to have a question. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, I appreciate you participating today, and I know, yeah. James, you and I have talked about this as well, and I know the two of you have discussed too, but, you know, looking at all these times of change and, uh, you know, what what a great show, you know, to have you kind of call in and contribute a little bit. And I was curious, your take on, on the topics that we're talking about tonight. Oh, I need my own show, I think. I have so many opinions. I just do. I do. I really love listening to I love listening to you guys and what you're saying. It's really great because it's bringing up so many, you know, so many things for people to be stimulated by, whether they want to talk about ley lines or they think it's this, they think it's that. It's all of it. It really is. And my perspective, you know, I've got a timeline with the 2012 date and, um, and, and most importantly after, 2015, 2017, 2030, there's going to be things that are going on with us and that the planet's going through a transformation. It's going through a purification. You know, in the ancients, you talk about the Mayans. Uh, you know, the Incas also had their same cosmology, which was, you know, they were soft-spoken people. They, they, they kept it within their temples. 
and uh, in their cosmology itself, which was you know more of an astrological uh, record. Um, but it's it it you know this purification that we're going through now, we're going through it right now. You know, right now is the toughest time because 2010 and 11, it's like the Earth changes. The body of Earth is like us. The grid lines, the connections, all of it, it's like our brains and our heart connecting at the same time. And it's a, just a matter of, uh, you know, really, really surrendering to what's going on because the reality is becoming multidimensional and we're becoming much more conscious of that. Yeah. Now, there's so many more details I could go into. I love it. It's a great subject, and I really right. value listening to I, it. I, I wanted to say, too, um, to because uh, Zahira may not be familiar with, with who you are. Uh, Zahira, this is James Riverstone. He, he's a good friend. Zahira is a very good friend of mine. Um, James is nice a to meet you, James. Shaman. Nice to meet you, too. How do you say your name? I'm sorry. Zahira. Zahira. I thought so. Madam Zahira. Zahira. Okay, it's an Arabic name, right? Yes, it's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. There's such information. The prophecies alone could take, you know, three or four shows. And, and, and then if you head off into the environmental concerns, and it, it, there's just so much information out there. But you're right. I, I agree with what you're saying is we're going through a transformation, and we're yeah. seeing a lot of these things come full circle. And I believe, too, we are in the midst of it now. Absolutely. You know, and, and you guys, you know, I just wanted to mention Lake Titicaca. Lake Titicaca is um, one of those sacred sites on the planet, which are all these centers of grid lines, uh, along with Egypt and along with you know the, the, the Mayan temples and different places there in Mexico and Guatemala, and the, these places and like Lake Titicaca, it's like I've experienced things there that that are unfathomable. You can't quite understand it because our minds aren't ready to understand these things that go on. And the transformation is much stronger in different areas of the planet, which is fascinating to me. It's like chakra systems. You know, some of them are stimulated much more. So it, it's a huge subject. And it's very important, too, for everybody just to know that it is a time of change. It's not going to be the end of the world. It is going to be the end of time as we understand it. As we know yeah. it, as we're used to seeing it, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. There's also some of these prophecies end with the same thing, though. There's choices that we're going to need to make. You know, if we are able to embrace change and understand it and go with the flow and be open to it, then the path will be easier. Those that don't embrace change and are not able to, um, you know, see these things in a new light, uh, that could be the problem. And the path that we take is really going to be important in the coming uh, years. I, I, you know, I'm, I lean towards our star people, our star brothers and sisters, a lot, because I, for me, this is my belief system, and this is the purpose I think of these councils of how we can all discuss this from different points of view, and it's that there, there is a returning coming, and it's it's basically our return coming home again. And that 26,000-year cycle you know, that you speak of, it's true. And the Mayans knew that. Every 5,200 years, there would be a cycle. This is the emergence of the fifth world. And, and this is the time where we have a second chance, where, where we will not destroy ourselves. Because there is an alternate reality in a multidimensional sense that, that they did destroy Earth. We did go through a process of where we just sabotaged ourselves. And this is that time where we will succeed 
in a very, very beautiful, powerful new place of consciousness that the earth and humanity has never, never known before. And that it's, it, it moves me so much, so much because it's very powerful. And uh, well, I like it. Finally, somebody with a positive attitude. <laughs> positive well, change, twenty twelve, go. I'm I'm looking forward to yeah. Two thousand fifteen is a big year for me personally. It's like on five five five, which is May fifth, two thousand fifteen. For myself, I'm just sharing my own story. I know that I have a mission then on that day, and that something will be fulfilled for myself. Okay, so that's just a self fulfilling prophecy of my own. But we all have those prophecies laid out and that on a linear timeline we're going to be able to experience these things and for many people and many people who I talk to and you know come to my ceremonies and come to different teachings everybody's going through something and all I tell them I look at them and I say just let go because it's happening and the world is is being affected by it and there no one can be left out of this and it's it's very strong and um it's way beyond our, our, you know, our everyday, daily life kind of understanding because we are such mental people. You know, we think with our, our brains, and we now have to really track and travel and journey with our hearts and connect with our higher self because that's really what's in operation right now. You're not our lower mind. And uh, the, the multidimensional things, which is what Marcus you know, I respect him so much because he understands how the dimensional spaces work. And that's key. You know, that's key to understand and be familiar with those things. Yeah, and I was going to ask you, James, uh, now that you're on, I was going to wait till I talk to you, you know, later, but uh, this is a perfect <laughs> opportunity. Um, uh, Zahir and I were actually speaking earlier today uh, about the Hopi and their prophecies and prophecy rock where there's you know, the, a path for humanity splits. Now, you know, I, under, I understand that the, the Hopi elders speak of this time, and there'll be those that will fight it. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll hang on. And, and what I'm wondering is uh, if there is some type of uh, physiological or energetic effect that takes place around 2012 or on it, uh, that could alter our perceptions, our, our ability to perceive, which is, you know, determined a lot by the assemblage point, you know, in, in the human energy system. Um, if something does happen like that and it shifts, you know, this is just, uh, you know, you know, supposing this happens, and it, it actually shifts our ability to perceive reality around us, um, could this be what the Hopi elders were speaking of, the people that are fighting it, you know, for example, if you suddenly could see spirits, if you could see other realities, other dimensions, uh, mm -hmm. other energies you're not used to seeing, even other colors, uh, that would drive most people mad, and it would scare the heck out of them. Uh, mm -hmm. If the people that fight that, those are the ones that they're saying will not survive, the ones that go with the flow. Right. With the, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Go ahead. No, that's, I, that's why I honor the Hopi so much because Hopi Kuna, I call them, you know, the Inca Kuna, Inca, the Mayans, the Hopi, they, it is that right in that track line, you know, because where the Hopi resides in Arizona is look at the area, you know, and, and we talk about the grid lines and the energies of the earth and the heart chakras in different places. 
you know, in four corners they say that there's a massive crystal that's under there, and that's why it's such a conducive area. But these ancient people, you know, it's been carried down in oral tradition to me through the Hopi, and they carry that tradition. They're one of the prophecy keepers because they, they knew this. You know, they talk, you know, we know the word kachina, right? The kachina dolls. Well, the kachinas are actually the spirits that are the interdimensional spirits that are between the two worlds. And they knew that. And they even dress them up in costumes and they dance around in every ceremony, you know. And it's fascinating to me because they're dealing with spirits that they can see. So to answer your question, though, from my perspective, is that those that do not understand what we're all talking about right now, they will not die, you know, this wicked death and, and be sent to hell. It's not what the Bible said. It's that they will peel off into another alternate earth. That's what I was wondering, because... Right, an I alternate hear, earth. Yeah, I hear of different cultures that make mention of that, especially the, the Hopi, uh, where the, it, it's almost like the timeline or the dimensional line shift. And, you know, I was thinking that possibly, you know, since there are so many different dimensions, uh, you know, physicists now are discovering multitudes of them. Uh, yeah. but, you know, and, and so they're actually giving validation to what a lot of these shamanic beliefs, you know, have been for, for yeah. centuries. But, you know, could they be actually spinning off? Could could the people, for example, you know, like us that embrace this type of thing and, and go with the flow, you know, as our abilities increase, could we be spinning off into a different dimension, an alternate reality? You know, not necessarily think, a, a different yeah. dimension of time or anything. Right. I, I think that y y us speaking right now and those listening, they are interested enough that they are, their consciousness is already stimulated to a point where they're going to be on, let's call it planet A. Yeah. You know, it's not any different than planet B or better. It's just, it is different, excuse me. You know, it's different. Um, planet B is just where they will live in a, an alternate reality. I've already, and this has been prophesied years ago, that... And, you know, you might notice people in your life might all of a sudden disappear. And you just kind of be like, hey, you know, whatever happened to Marcus? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> and it's like, it, and to me, that, that's the, like, laws of physics is that like vibration will follow like vibration, exactly. you know, and some others will peel off and go off into other vibrational fields. So I believe that this threshold that we are crossing over in 2012 it's going to be a, a mass consciousness threshold. And that's why it's celebrated. And I, to me, that's why I believe that the, the ancient ones knew this. And it relates even back further to more ancient lineages that we don't have names for. You know, they, they're, the Inca are not old. They're, they have much more ancient lineage names, like the Mozaks. And they are connected to Sirius. The Mayans are connected to Palladian. So it's like very interesting how that affects itself, you know, over and over. And and once again, just you know, I finalize it by saying 2012 is a threshold of mass consciousness where there's going to be enough of us on a percentage on the planet that get it, that get this, that we're what we're talking about, and then we will be able to experience that that birth, that birth of a new era where our time and space experience will be completely different. You know, I'm already affected by it now. Are you kidding me? It's like my, my life is just bizarre right yeah, now. And I'm not, made some major changes. Well, maybe for the rest of us, but, you know, it's like, I, yeah, my time and space is all, it's, it's very confusing. Um, it's a little unsettling. 
and sometimes I think I'm going crazy. And I was told this about 10 years ago, you know, that you're going to think you're going crazy. Don't worry about it. You're not going insane. You're just getting used to the new vibration, the new vibrational field. And, um, you know, shamans, just to mention the shamans, the shamans, they are people, men and women, who track and have the ability to, to, to step into that, uh, that weaving of the ley lines into the current of different conduits in time and space. And they were able to see that. And to me, that's what I believe that the ancients of like the Mayan and the Olmecs and Toltecs and the Inca and, and so forth and the Hopi, they, uh, the Anasazi, they were able to tap into that time stream and be able to see it. And I, I've seen it. I've seen it too. And I'm just a white guy from Connecticut, you know. And it's like I, <laughs> you know, humbly I say that because if you do it and you use the assemblage points, you use different techniques and come to ceremony and, and drink plant medicine, you will be able to get out of your ego mind and be able to see these things. And to me, I'm, I'm, I stand on a platform to say that because it's up to us as a collective, you know, not, ju not just shamans or, you know, people like that with all respect. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's true. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that's, there's a technique, you know, why we're close to the topic, there's a technique... Uh, in in my lineage, in the Toltec shamanic lineage, uh, that's referred to as stopping the world. That's where we, we turn off our internal dialogues and our minds, the thing that defines everything that we know around us. Uh, we know an apple is an apple because our minds are telling us that. Uh, once that internal dialogue is shut down, then our, our minds uh, basically you know, collapse reality around us. And the reality that we've defined for ourselves, you know, that we've been conditioned to see, and then the, the true reality is what, you know, becomes apparent to us. Uh, we can't actually see these other timelines or energies or things until we do that. And there are various techniques for doing that. And that's that's what I was thinking with uh, with events coming up, astrological and energetic events coming up around 2012, is if something may stimulate because this is something that's actually you know no one has you know this has never been released to the public before but uh, in part of the stories of my Toltec lineage uh, is that there would come a time it's just they weren't specific about when but a lot of the events that are taking place indicate this is the time there would come a time when the mass majority of people when the world would stop for them and that means their consciousness it's almost like uh, your mind it's like when you reboot your computer it's what yeah. would happen you know in the mind um, you know in our, our awareness and consciousness that that would stop and the second it stopped then we would have to reboot and we would see a different reality you know same world but just through different eyes and that yeah. was actually prophesized um, by the Toltecs, it's, it's not known because archaeologists haven't discovered any of the writings yet, but uh, those, those are the stories that have been handed down that we would reboot, yeah. uh, more or less stop the world. And I'm wondering if that's maybe what's going to happen that's going to trigger a lot of these people, you know, either going insane and... You know, well, some, some will not survive, you know. Mm. Right now it happens a lot when there's mass populations that are literally dying, you know, in our perspective, that they, they do die, 
you know, and it's because that's just their sole agreement to not be here to do this. But, you know, in, in time, you know, what I understand is like, you know, 2,000 years from now, we won't be here anymore. We won't be reborn back into the, the humanity's dream because our DNA will be so different. And, and, and some of the, you know, the, the ancient cultures, and, and like I, I spoke of the Mozak, some of these ancient uh, connections to the stars, um, that, you know, they know that. And that's why they're they're just in another dimensional field, um, but it's really about the masses. It's about us getting it all together at once. And I don't think there's any failing. You know, we're not going to fail this journey. It, I think we've already crossed that threshold back. At, you know, at, during the harmonic convergence in '87, and through all of the different timelines that everybody can research and know about. And the internet, this right now, is so key. It is such a beautiful creation that we have created for ourselves because it's going to expand it even faster. You know, it's exciting. Yeah, yeah I agree with that actually because when we're taking a look at technology and we're looking at how viral all of these messages can be, I mean, of course, we can take a look at the positive and the negative, but how amazing it is to be able to connect with people. I mean, just just for example, for tonight, I mean, we have listeners listening in from Chile, uh, Canada, of course, many from the U.S. It's just, it's amazing how, as a collective, we're able to really tune into, you know, all of this information and to be able to take a look at it and look at it as, as a stream of consciousness that we're able to tune into. Debbie, I'll, I'll say real quick, too. I know we're running out of time, but I'll just uh, a lot of these prophecies end with that same conclusion, including Nostradamus and uh, the Mayans. Supposedly, the experts say that the Mayan calendar actually rolls over to a new cycle. Yeah. And Nostradamus holds the book up in front of your face saying, you choose. It's up to you people. What do you want to do? You know, you make the choice. The Hopi Indians, theirs is a choice, a two-path choice. So it's interesting that we've come full circle. They all say that at the end. The choice is you. This is change. You know, you're the one responsible for you and what you're going to do here. And even though we may be faced with some trials and tribulations and solar tsunamis and earthquakes and volcanoes, you know, some of us will survive if we're willing to adapt and change. And although scientists say, you know, we've almost been wiped off the earth five times before, but the key is almost. I mean, humans go back well beyond 26,000 years, so we know that the last time this happened, there were humans, and we've carried on. So it's, it's a matter of some of us will still be here to change, and some of us won't. Yeah, yeah, and I, I like that you bring that up, too, and, you know, it's it's really interesting. I think we have about four minutes remaining in the broadcast, um, but I think what would be really, really wonderful, really, is to expand on this topic and to do follow-up broadcasts regarding these topics and to dive a little bit more into, uh, you know, parts of, of this that we haven't been able to really fully get into, uh, you know, and I want to ask as well, um, for the three of you, and I guess this could be uh, one question, you know, in three different forms, but um, what what do you all see happening after this 2012, uh, you know, time, this era in which humanity is reaching this this amazing time? I call it amazing because we can see it as um, awe-inspiring in, in both a, a chaos way as well as a beautiful way, but... You know, how do we see humanity being affected and then moving forward from this? Marcus, I'll start with you. Well, I see 
I see a lot of change, you know, for one thing. I, I definitely don't see the end of the world. I think that's uh, that's a lot of hype. Uh, I see this as an exciting time. This this is a very exciting time to be alive, and mm-hmm. there's there's going to be there's going to be changes on across the board, uh, you know, geographically, but it doesn't, you know, and and there are going to be disasters and things, and it may not happen exactly 2012, but uh, they're happening now actually. Mm-hmm. But the um, overall, I see this as a step forward. Uh, for those willing to embrace it, a step forward in evolution for for the human spirit, and uh, I see this actually as a good thing. Yeah, absolutely, Zahira. Where do you stand on that? I, same answer to the ascension. <laughs> Pretty much the same answer. I, right. Again, great time of change. Make choices. You know, we can go one of two ways and, and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, well, but it's wonderful. up to us. It is a collective conscious, and and, and uh, I think if we have the glass half full attitude, that helps. Yeah. yeah. Well, great yeah. conclusion to that, James. And you? I, I think we're going to create a whole new radio show and have to call it Post 2012. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You know now, what do we talk about? <laughs> no, yeah, really, right? it's well, over. Party. Go go back to your jobs. It's all over. <laughs> right. Well, that was fun. No. What's next? <laughs> no, but seriously, it's going to be the dream is going to open. It's going to be a dream state where we will continue these conversations. And, I, again, I'm getting back to the mass consciousness. Everybody, there's so many, uh, you know, millions of people that are going to ride on the coattails of us, right? Because we're speaking about it. We believe in certain things. And some just don't know how to get there, so they're just going to ride on the coattails. And it's going to magically shift the dream. You know, there's portals and doorways and multidimensional spaces that are going to open for us. And I'm very excited. I'm excited for 2015 because I know that, that there will be much more discussion and much more mass media on open contact as far as extraterrestrials go, our connections with the stars. They're going to start seeing planets that they didn't see before because it's in a dimensional space. So it's, it's extremely exciting to be alive yeah. at this time. And I count the years and I count my age and I think, God, I hope I'm around by then. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm like, 2030? I'm like, okay, I'll be 65 or something like that. And I'm like, oh, shit, I hope I make it. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, well, I tell you what, really- this is, yeah, this has been such a great broadcast, and we're, we're about to go off the air. So, you know, I want to go ahead and conclude. But, you know, thank you seriously to all three of you. I mean, this has been really wonderful. I'm- I would like to invite you to tune in with me to hear the amazing Tracy Savage talking about the many wonders of our multiverse from the perspective of a scientist on her show, Savage Science, coming up in about an hour at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, right here on Jackalope 105 FM on the Jackalope Radio Network.